Hey everybody, welcome to The Highlight Show. This is a show within our show where we sit down and talk to people doing really cool stuff. It could be someone starting a restaurant, it could be a youth group, it could be somebody who has just gone through something hard and has a really cool story to tell. We sit down with them, we pick their brains, and we glean what life lessons we can learn from their journey. Give it a listen. All right, welcome to the podcast, everybody. We are here with another special guest for our highlights, talking about mission. Uh, I'm here with Christopher. Do you go by Christopher or Chris? I go by whatever people call me. Whatever kind uh, of. I have family that call me CJ, <laughs> Chris, Christopher. It's, just answer to it all, right? Yeah. Hey, you. you. Can't ever go wrong if you just answer to everything. Exactly. That's fair. That's fair. But he is a man after my own heart. He is a roaster and founder of Cultivate Coffee and also a pastor at a local church. So... I'm super excited for this, and so Chris, why don't you give us a little bit more of a rundown about who you are, what you're doing, uh, maybe a little bit about the church, the coffee shop. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So I'm a native Phoenician, born and raised in wow. Phoenix. Yeah. We're like two of the only in town. Me too. Yeah, there's not very many yeah, of every, us. Yeah, everyone gets out after like their third summer, and they're like, what am I still doing here? <laughs> yeah. <I don't> <laughs> oh, it's like this every summer. Yeah, okay. I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 go, go, go. <laughs> yeah. Leave me with Arizona. I'll take it all. I'm fine. <laughs> No, man, I, I, I will probably uh, be buried here one day. I don't know. We'll I love see what it. the Lord it's, does. It's, I know it's nuts, but this is home, man. It, it is. It's, we're two hours from everything, like, and it's, it is hot. It is, yeah. It's legit hot. Yeah. But, you never get used to it. And you don't, yeah. I mean, it's like the cold. You never really get yeah. – people tell me, oh, you get used to it. You, no, you, you don't. don't. You, you don't. don't. But, but it's home, man. I love it here. So yeah. it's nice. There's not very many of us. See, That's that? Cool. there's a whole other thing right there we just bonded over. Like kindred spirits are <laughs> <right> there. Exactly. <laughs> I used to have a job where I would travel, uh, and I'll make this short because I'm already off topic. We're a minute into the podcast and I got off topic already. Uh, we, I used to have a job where I would travel around the nation speaking at different schools, and I it was great seeing different parts of the country. Mm-hmm. I'm a big foodie, so trying different oh, places yeah, to yeah, eat. Yeah. Uh, but it gave me more of an appreciation too for Phoenix as Absolutely. home. You know, it was like I used to think one day I'll move away, but as I traveled, I got to see, I was like, yeah, there's beautiful parts of the country, but Phoenix really has something, Yeah, you know? Yeah, we actually just did a series because my other co-host, AJ, went to uh, the UK, uh-huh. and we were talking about traveling. I was like, yeah, I loved traveling, but it really made me appreciate the U.S. when yeah. I came back. Like, it, there was so many things. I was like, yeah, nope, this is the right place for yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That's cool, man. Yeah, so Phoenix till I die, <laughs> yeah. unless God says different. Um I'm 38. I've been married for 18 of those years. Wow, nice. So I was actually not even quite 20 yet when we got married. Wow. Um, and we're still married, so something worked there. It's fantastic. Have three boys. Um, so my wife, Bethany, and I, we have Jonas, Cannon, and Liam. So twin boys that are going to be 14 in November, mm-hmm. and then a 10-year-old boy. Wow. So It's fantastic. Yeah, and uh, grew up in Phoenix with a split family. You know, my, my dad and stepmom on one side in a gated community, and then my single mom, uh, we'd go there on the weekends in a trailer park or right. a one-bedroom apartment with nine people in it kind of thing. Wow. Big family. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of chaos going around. A lot of love, too, but a yeah. lot of chaos. And yeah. so I just kind of I grew up around, um, around that reality. My younger brother was on meth at like 11. Um, had a kid at 15, you know, so it was just, I was around all this stuff. Right. And, uh, somehow, uh, I just, from the earliest days of my memory 
always knew like this isn't the way it's supposed to be mm. um, there's something there's something <laughs> that we're missing that yeah. we need and somehow i always knew that that something we needed was jesus yeah i can't explain that my, i mean my family uh would go to church sometimes right yep i get you but it was just like, I, I didn't have this like moment of like someone came and shared a message of good news with me and everything changed. Right. It was like, I always knew this yeah. is what was And just that missing. sense that this is not right. Like, yeah. like the way that this is, isn't like, like we have a God of order Yeah. and this is chaos. This so like, is chaos. this is something is wrong. Like there's just something innately wrong yep. about chaos that we don't like. That's right. And then, yeah, you hear that call and you're like, Oh, that's order. I'm going there. Yep, like the, absolutely. It, that's where peace is. Yeah. It, it's it's super interesting. And uh, again, like I'm regurgitating all of this stuff because I learned it all from my from AJ. And uh, we were just talking about that on a recent podcast too, man. You know, mm. like we, we have this sense of this something's not right yeah. in creation, yeah. right? Like where we're at right now, like there's something that's a little better, something yeah. a little more ordered, something that's not off kilter. This is not the and way so it was that, supposed to be. Yeah, that totally yeah. makes sense mm. to me. So... How much of that, you know, led to like how did you how did you come to that realization? I mean, you you were obviously introduced to church a little bit, right? right. You said they go to church sometimes, um, kind of the casual faith like that. That's yeah. how my family was. So, like my mom tried to make sure it was important, but that means it happened like once a quarter, yeah. maybe or something, you know. Um, yeah, my mom was one of those like it didn't matter if my brother was was on drugs or dealing, like if he was at church on Sunday, then things were okay. <laughs> you know, okay. That was kind okay. of the situation. Yep, yep, yep. So it wasn't uh, always, uh, it's very real for her, and, and I think it's grown a lot too, but it wasn't always connecting to real life for us gotcha. when we were younger. So when did that When did that connection happen? Like when did it become real for you? And you're like, yep, made the decision. Yeah, I got, uh, so my rebellious stage was like junior high. Okay. And that's when I started dabbling with like, pot you know drinking just a couple things casually here and there yeah and then i don't know man god just really was gracious to me and uh didn't let me go too far down that road mm. even while i had family and friends who were um but high school was like i got into a good group of friends mm. community mm -hmm. is huge man it makes a big difference yeah, yeah and i didn't realize it at the time that that's what, but yeah a community of people who uh, knew that there's something better, right? Yeah. <laughs> and we're trying to point each other to that. And so, um, my high school days, like when I was 16, I I knew I wanted to be a pastor. Oh wow! Okay. Um, and then I actually got so I was part of a pretty large church at the time. My brother started going. My older brother started going to a youth group, and all of us siblings just followed him. He mm -hmm. drove, so we would ride with him. Yeah. Um, and so I was part of this pretty big church, and they let me preach at 16 years old, nice. four services. That's fantastic. Church of like 2,000 people. Uh, so looking back, I'm like, why did that happen? Um, it but should I, though, man. Like they yeah. don't, they, we don't do that enough. Like we don't allow the youth to really come up and do stuff. Yeah. You know, like you, you always got to have, or at least when I, you know, most of my experiences is it's like, nope, if you don't have that degree and everything, yeah. like you can't be on the stage. Be like, well, right. man, if they got a Where's message, man, let them. Like, teach them. Yeah, yeah. It's really fascinating because I reflect back on that story, and it's like, it's a it's a double-edged sword for me. Like, it's this, it's yeah. this two-sided thing. On one hand, I'm so incredibly thankful that they gave me that opportunity. 
On the other hand, there's an experience that came out of it that made me back off. I'm like, oh, I, I do not want to be in vocational ministry at yep. all. So that, I had this lady yeah. come up to me the first Saturday night service. It was the first one I preached. And I didn't even know half the things I was saying. They kind of coached me through some right. things. Like, here's when you come off the stage and get more personal. and Say this joke. And I, I didn't get the joke. But they're like, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Everyone's going to laugh. And they did. So I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the message that I that I had like yeah. I felt like the spirit gave me like I, I knew that part so yeah so this lady comes up to me afterward I'm 16 years old she's probably in her late 20s and she's crying and she's like I grew up in the church but I've been away from it I'm living with my boyfriend right now and I haven't been following Jesus but like I want to I, I need someone to disciple me mm. like I was sitting here tonight I just I felt like I needed to come here tonight and I'm sitting here tonight and I feel like I need to learn what it means to start following jesus more mm. and i'm like uh <laughs> i wasn't ready for yeah. this <laughs> i'm like well I, I i can't disciple you lady right so <laughs> hold on a second so i i go and i run and i i grab the senior pastor at the time and i tell him what i just told you yeah and he looks at me and he goes you know a lot of people say they're going to change after a sermon they never do and he turned around and walked away from me uh. and i was like wait what that like, hurt what just happened so <sighs> i in that moment like right away i thought this is what happens when you give your life to this uh organizational vocational ministry is you get jaded like that's what mm-hmm. i thought at the time mm-hmm. so i said i want nothing to do with that like it didn't make me have this wrestle with my faith or anything right. like that i didn't like you know stop going to the church or lose respect for that man i felt bad for him and I just said, okay, I don't want to be a pastor now. Right. So 16, I, I, I thought for sure that's what God wanted me to do. And then still at 16, I was like, nope, I'm not doing that. Yep. So my life went on this trajectory of I want to reach people outside of church walls, right? So I, I, uh, my family's still like, you know, fun and, and colorful family that they <laughs> are. And, um, and, uh, and I love them. And, but like a lot of the choices I started making from that point, like didn't necessarily click with a lot of them, including getting married at 19 years old. Yes. That, yeah, that's one of those things. Like when you go all in, yeah, it's, yeah. uh, the, everybody around you is like, that's weird. Yeah. Like, yeah. Why, why are you doing why that? Why are stuff? you just like move in together first and see how that goes. Right. Idiot. Don't, don't put a ring on it yet. Um, th- those kinds of things are like some of the decisions I made career wise. Like I was always told like, oh man, there's like, you could do like whatever, you know, I was like scholar athlete, like, you know, mm-hmm. high GPA, all the stuff. I was like, I know, I think I want to do this nonprofit thing mm-hmm. <laughs> and make $1,200 a month. Right. Uh, going into school and talking <laughs> about like choices, you know, yes. good character and leadership. And so I did that for a while, but, but my wife was like right there with me through it. She was also working in the nonprofit world. She has a much different story, smaller family, a family that, like, the reality of following Jesus met their day-to-day world. She saw it lived out, and wow. she just assumed everybody at church was that way. Right. <laughs> right? And so I was yeah, like, no. That, nope. that rude awakening is a... Every, we all have a rude awakening <laughs> yeah. at some point, but that one's very different. To, like, totally. It's, so we were, yes. like, both, like, I think, putting each other's lives to be like, oh, actually, <laughs> here's this other side. Yeah. Right? Um, but I got to see what a good, healthy family looks like. That was kind of redeemed for mm. me. I, in a lot of ways, it's been redeemed in my personal family, too, over the years, which is great. Um, but I was doing this thing where it was like, I, I wanted to just share good news with people outside of the church, right? Right. 
And then, kind of long story short, I ended up being at this church that um, they kept asking me to be one of the elders. I kept saying no, because <laughs> I didn't want anything to do with right, that. Right. And after the third or fourth time they asked me, um, I was driving back home. It was like a five-minute drive. By the time I, I had said no, by the time I took that five-minute drive, walked in the door of the apartment my wife and I were living in, uh, I said to her, as soon as I opened the door, hey, I think I'm supposed to <laughs> mm-hmm. go yep. through this whole process of being like a an elder, like a lay pastor at our right, church. Right, And she goes, I know. Everyone knows. We're just waiting for you to figure it out. <laughs> They're just waiting for you to know. <laughs> so I end up doing that, and then I'm like, I'm like fine, but I'm never going to be like an on-staff pastor. Like, I, mm-hmm. no, I want nothing to do with it. Like, I want to keep doing what I'm doing, and then just like, I'll be available to help out wherever you yeah. need. And... Uh, probably six months after I, I became one of the elders, the lead pastor resigned. Yeah. And me and the other lay elder looked at each other and we're like, what do we do? <laughs> we're like, well, let's just do this together. So we started co-pastoring. And uh, it was, I don't know, uh, two years after that, he left. And I was able to, like, we, we were able to raise up other elders, but, like, I got in this position where I was the full-time, like, "Quote unquote lead pastor." That's how it was functioning at the time, and we our church functions with like a shared leadership, and so now we have more of a plurality of that. But I, for a while, I was like, I was, you were the stuff man. was following on yeah. me, and uh, I was like, what? How did this happen? I was like, God, I told you I wasn't <laughs> doing this. Attrition. Like, <laughs> I didn't sign up for this, yeah. man. Like, he's like, I don't, I don't care. Yeah, you signed up for th- for me. <laughs> I'm gonna decide what happens here. Totally. <laughs> Totally. And he was like, I told you, remember? Remember you're 16? I told you this was going to happen. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I took all these other courses, but these other paths, but he still brought me to it. And yeah. so here we are. And I was like, dude, I did not, I did not plan for this. I kind of just like, I was in the, I don't know, I, I would say the wrong place at the wrong time, but the reality is it was right, right where God wanted me. Right. And so then I went to seminary afterward, right? I was like, well, maybe I should get some training for this, but I was already doing it. Right. And I think that was so good for me because... Really, going to seminary was good? Well, I think... Or the life experience. I think going to seminary after. first. Okay. Because I had a reality to bring that theology to. I agree with that, actually. I think that's... Right. And and it makes me think about that, the pastor that you were just talking about, how it's like, and you come in with like you know, rose, rose-colored glasses out of Bible school and you think you're going to have, you know, just like police officers have the same thing. Like, they yeah. think they're going to make the city a better place and then when they find out that's not exactly how it works, yeah. they get depressed and it's just like, whatever, man, it's just a job. Yeah. And you're like, hang on. Now, police officers decide, but for a pastor, it's like, no, no, no. This isn't just a job. Like, right. and if, if you wake up and you think that consistently, quit. Yeah, yeah. It's not, like, go, right? right. Like, you're doing more damage than help Absolutely. now. And yeah. so... I think having that life experience and then coming into it is it's more it's more real. Yeah. Not not real like the other people have less, but it's I'm trying to say like more more grounded in, in real people. Yeah. You well, know, like you know what they don't teach you at seminary uh, and and most seminaries I should say the one I was a part of I'm really thankful for. I'll explain uh, in a moment briefly why, but. A lot of them, like, they aren't teaching you how to shepherd somebody, right? They're right. teaching you theology. Right. You might learn Greek, Hebrew. Uh, you're learning how to parse text, right? Because that is always so important. Yeah, yeah. To, you know. <laughs> For the day-to-day I mean, life it, of the I average I get it. I, like, we have this, I have this conversation with my cousin all the time, man, because, like, 
theology is important. Yeah. Right. But theology is important after they're saved. Totally. Almost. Yeah. You know, like, and, and again, there's everybody will rip on me because like, I'm, <laughs> yeah. like we just You're did an interview with an apologist and like all these people, you know, like every, everybody's got their different thing, but like I'm a service person. Yeah. Right. And so like my experience has been that loving people opens them up and then yeah that then the theology matters once they're open but if they're not open man you can spit theology out all day long don't do any good yeah we're called to bring good news right so you bring good news not not good doctrine right (laughs) first first right right uh yes but then we are called to also defend the faith right absolutely yes to guard against false teaching all that so so that comes agreed but first well first and foremost we're called to make disciples yes and, and to do that by bringing good news and so if you don't know the people you're mm-hmm. you're preaching to, or yeah. you're you're pastoring, or you're just you know serving within a church, if you don't know them like personally, how do you know what they need to hear? That's good news for their mm. situation, right? Mm-hmm. And so you you can get all this like theological training, and then you go out and you're like deer in the headlights when you have your first situation of like a marriage that's falling apart and they're asking you to come and sit with them. You're like, ah, I wasn't trained for that. So true. Right. Yeah. Or, you know, someone just passed away or someone's just struggling financially or there's a myriad of things that this life, yeah, you know, introduces us to. So, so yeah, for me, um, I, I went to, I, my degrees through covenant, um, seminary and that's based out of St. Louis Okay. But it was actually, I went to something called Missional Training Center. It's here in Phoenix. Um, Mike Goheen was like the resident scholar. He was our professor who ran it. And it was a cohort of the same group of people we sat in a living room with for four years, every Thursday morning. And we had a meal together. And we, you, it's a lot of people who are already in the trenches Mm-hmm. of ministry and caring for people mm-hmm. and so we had a reality to bring all, everything we were talking about and learning down to it was much different than sitting in a classroom right, right. but it was i mean it's a legit degree it's a yeah you know, it's fully accredited but it was like how do you live this out was the real question not just can you write a paper on this right right but show us how mm. you're bringing this to your community right and so all of those things together kind of uh, are part of forming like why I don't want to just sit in an office 40 hours a week working on a, on a message. Right. And then like, but our whole church community is kind of built around how are we being good news bringers to our Mm -hmm. actual neighborhood we're in. Yeah. Um, So our church is called Missio Day. I, I pastor um, one of three congregations. They're okay. all small, uh, but it's a uh, Missio Dei is Latin for the mission of God. Mm-hmm. And we just fully believe we are invited to participate in and to partner with the spirit, to participate in the mission God has for his world. Uh, and he wants to bring restoration and, and to redeem his world yeah. that he cares for. Right. And so he allows us to come be part of that. We're like recipients of his mission, right? That like he's saved us, mm-hmm. but also we're participants in the mission now. Yeah. Uh, and so a lot of what we do is we form around these missional communities that are going out and serving different parts of our community in the everyday stuff of life between Sundays. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So that's kind of where like we're sitting right now 
right in in our coffee shop uh, yeah cultivate yeah which the coffee is fantastic by thank the you way. it is very good i paid him to say that before <laughs> we hit record <laughs> um yeah thank you for that so i we for us this is like this is just a, a natural outpouring of all of those experiences i just shared with you mm. My reality of growing up in a home where, uh, you know, at my mom's, we'd have CPS, so it's DCS now, yep, called yep. out to us, you know, and like could have been one case manager's decision away from being pulled out, right? The reality of like uh, just kind of some chaos going around there. And like you said, like seeing like, oh, there's order that yeah. can be had and peace that yeah. comes with that. We have so many young people coming through this place who are in situations like I was in who say, I just feel a lot of peace when I'm here. Yeah. So what we do is we create a big deal. Yeah, yeah. It's it could totally be understated, but it's like, man, that that's bigger to me than anything else we're offering. Yeah. Well, you know, I my so my parents used to foster, and they would it would be frustrating. It's a very frustrating process, right? Because most of the kids that they're fostering, because once they do pull them out, they pull them out because the situation is really bad. Yeah. And they come in and they don't know any better, and so they're basically destructive. You can take them out of their bad situation, put them in a good situation. Mm. And because of where they came from, their training, basically, they're going to destroy their good situation. Right. They're going right. to ruin it for themselves. Yeah. It's what they know. Yeah, it's what they know. And, it, and I kept telling my parents, I was like, look, look, just, like, I know it sucks. It's hard. And it's not going to pay off right now. Mm. All right? It's not going to win this because they had a long-term foster. They fostered him for many years. I was like, just wow. wait. When he's 30, yeah. he is going to call you and be like, I didn't realize it, but it changed changed me right like because it went from bad to good to bad again yeah and then he he'll be able to reflect that that was good and then he'll start to order himself mm. based on that good example i was like but you're not going to see it now yeah it's just going to be frustrating and so i think that's what's that's that true. that's like here where somebody comes in and they're like i feel peace and then they're going to go and feel chaos and be like why do i feel peace mm-hmm. and if they just ask that question yeah then you're on the road man yeah. like you're starting and that that's a big deal and it, and it just comes from that experience you know like as much as we would love to say that we can like we don't save anybody right you know but what we can do is live out that mission and then people feel the peace of god and you're like okay that's that's not normal that's not like a quiet library piece this is yeah. something that's like different because I, I used to think i the first time i felt peace like that was i was in a like a Friday night prayer service and I'd fall asleep. Yeah. Every, yeah. I would sleep. I'm the best sleep oh, I ever man. got. I'd be in prayer and just out, man. Yep. And I was like, but why? Because my week was so stressful and I never felt peace like that. And I was like, I can rest here. Yeah. But they would make, they would tease me, but I was like, Hey, I'm sorry. <laughs> but this this Same, piece of man. God stuff feels good. Man. Ours was Sunday night prayer <laughs> yes. at that church that I preached at at 16. Yeah. The same thing. I was like, why do I always fall asleep during that? Peace. And, uh, you know, someone was like, someone was like, well, you know, when Jesus was in the garden and he asked his disciples to stay awake with him, they couldn't stay awake. And, they're oh, like, and so it was like keeping the shame on me. And I was like, shame, but be like, but. man, you don't know what kind of week I had. <laughs> this, yeah. there's, there's, a, there's an invitation to rest here. There right? is. And I didn't have the words to say yeah, that. Yeah, I, I got but. you. <laughs> um, but I think that's, it's a, there's an interesting correlation there in my, in my own brain as I'm listening to it is that like you had this experience where it kind of said, you know what, I don't want to be this internal kind of pastor to yeah. where like I just stay in this little circle yeah. inside this box, and it kind of pushed you out, right? And then you kind of come roundabout to a church where you mm-hmm. are the pastor, mm-hmm. but you're outward facing. 
Yeah. You know, like not you're not just serving the people that come in your doors. It's more right. outgoing. Like serving the mission means going out, yeah. you know? And so it it seems like there's a, a correlation there on that past experience yeah. and then now just the disposition to go out and serve the people outside of the Absolutely. walls. And I, and I can't encourage the people in our congregation to be outward facing, right? To, to go out as ambassadors of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. As Corinthians would say, to go out with the message of reconciliation, to go out with good news to others. If I'm not doing that. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, and I yep. grew up in yep. churches where like, that's what the pastor's preaching because it's there in the text, but they're not. He's not living that out. Yeah, there, yeah. there's, you know, and I'm, I'm not trying to throw shade or anything, but like, but no, they're no, yeah. organizing all these events within the church wall building, and, and it's like, that's great. I'm a, those things can be wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if we're not moving out, also, mm-hmm. how are people gonna? It's got to be modeled, right? Yeah. So, like. Cultivate Coffee is not just a, for your listeners too to be clear on this. It's not affiliated with our church. Yeah. It's a completely separate entity. It's a five hundred one c three nonprofit. It's something we started, not the church. We, my wife and I, started uh, informed by our faith, right? As people who know good news mm-hmm. and want to share good news with others, um, but not as a Christian organization in yeah. order to proselytize, uh, but as a space to just kind of be hospitable right. as we're called to be right right and then as people come in and they feel the the presence of christ on us hopefully that's where they start to experience that yeah. peace. so we we created this nonprofit uh to give a space for community here in sunny slope but also to give some job and life skills training to youth that are facing various obstacles so we have kids that are about to age out of the foster care system refugee teens trying to figure out how to survive in a new country um, yeah. and just other youth here in Sunny Slope who have various obstacles to transitioning into adulthood. And so it's, it's again, kind of my story, uh, but some of them too, like an extrapolated <laughs> degree. Yeah. And we're trying to just create a space for them to be welcomed, to belong, right? but also to grow. And so we're giving them some transferable job skills mm. like customer service. And I tell you what, the coffee shop is the best. Place. Like I learned yeah. all of, everything that's made me successful I kind of credit to like my time at Starbucks. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. like they taught me like organization, prioritization, oper- oh, operations, customer service. Yeah. Like I, the coffee shop is a great training ground. Mm-hmm. And so that, that was actually like you led right into the thing that I was getting ready to ask. So like, so you're pastoring and all these things, like what made you want to open a coffee shop, which yeah. you then, then answered. And, and again, just me listening to your story. There's a correlation there too. Again, coming from, previous experience of chaos mm-hmm. and then wanting to create a space of order yeah. and not necessarily preaching it, but just like come experience this. Yeah. It, it's different, yeah. you know, and this, this different feeling will have an impact. Yeah. So like, do you have, like, how does it, how do you balance between, cause we've had this struggle over and over again, right? Like we started out with our, the podcast and the coffee and said, it's a business, so you can't be Christian, right? Right. right? And then we then we tried to walk on the fence for a little while, and we're like, we we none of us felt good about, <laughs> neither one of us felt good about walking the fence, yeah. right? Because we know how God feels about lukewarm stuff. That's right. Like yeah. it, you don't, and so we're like, screw it, let's all in, let's yeah. go all in. And so now it's you know it's uh, we're not we're not hiding it, we're not, but we're we're fairly pushing it actually, to yeah. be honest. But yeah. um, 
you know, we went all in and it's, we were worried because it's hard to do business mm. as a Christian organization yeah, yeah. or even so one of the things that we struggled with was that it's hard to be all in Christian mm-hmm. and then do a business that's not, you know, right. you know what yeah. I mean? Like, like it feels like you have to hide a piece of yourself to do that yeah. thing. That's not, and that's tiring. It's hard, <laughs> yeah. man. And, and it makes you feel, I don't know, like broken apart. Yeah. You know, like you just want to do this. Like how, how are you managing that? To, like you have your church, but then like you got to come here and you're roasting coffee and mm-hmm. stuff, but not, I mean, you're still living it out. And, and I guess that's one of the things we always feel as Christians that we're like, just like waving our Bible in everybody's face all the time, which isn't the case, you know, yeah. like we go to yeah. restaurants and eat without, you know, yeah, you know, asking the server every time, do you know Jesus Christ? Well, unless you know? you, like, you, the tip you leave behind is a tract instead of an actual <laughs> <exactly>. tip. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, when I was a server, I'd be like, hey, respect, but that doesn't pay my bills. Right. <laughs> you know? like, that, I'll, I'm just going to say it. When I was a server, some of the worst tippers were the church group second. <laughs> it is the truth. It's so sad. It's, um, um, yeah. But yeah, so, how, I, so how do you manage that that's balance? That's a great question. So when you, th- when you look at uh, Jeremiah 29, for example, right? Um, just so, so Jeremiah, he's, he's a prophet telling God's people, like, hey, you're about to be taken into captivity in Babylon. Um, it's going to be hard, right? And there's other false prophets around at, at his day being like, no, don't listen to him. We're mm-hmm. fine. God's happy with us. Everything's good. And so people chose to listen to them. Because right? you want to hear. Because it's easy. Yeah, what's yep. easy. Um, but Jeremiah was like, no, you're going into, into Babylon. When you do, this is what God says. Build houses, right? Build parks. Uh, build relationships, right? Build mm-hmm. families. Like, settle in there. Seek the welfare of that city, and uh, you too will benefit from the welfare, right? And so that's kind of our like. I I wasn't put, taken into captivity into Phoenix, <laughs> right, right, right. But this is where God has me right now. And how do I seek the welfare of the city? How am I building something that is building a space for community? That is building space for order? That is building a space for peace to be felt? In the same way as Jesus went and he. Uh, most of his ministry was sitting down at a table with people, Mm -hmm. right? And it was creating a space of hospitality where people Mm -hmm. who, uh, no one else would sit with them, right? They weren't welcomed at other tables of the religious leaders and all that. But they can come and they could sit there and they could be welcomed. And then they could find that they could belong. And then they could start to get good doctrine. (laughs) Then they could start to learn what it really means to follow after this Jesus. And so for me, this this is all part of that. It's if I really do believe the things I'm preaching on a Sunday morning and the things I'm reading out of my Bible, you know, throughout the week, then how I like that should be turned to my hands and my feet. And like, how yeah. am I living this out in the city that God has placed me in during this time? So the very practical work of um, creating a, a coffee shop atmosphere where people can come in and have conversation over a cup of coffee. I mean, yeah. so much community happens over coffee, right? It, it, yeah, that, that's our that's our entire thing yeah. as Inkledy, right? Like, so our, our thing was that the Inklings, yeah. right? Lewis yeah, yeah. and Tolkien, right? I love it. Met at the pub. Yes. They would sit with their drinks, have conversations. That led to Tolkien and converting Lewis, yeah. basically. yeah. Through conversation. And so, yes, you're so speaking good. my language, man. So like, good. a beverage and conversation yeah. is where the magic happens. Absolutely. And and you're right. Like that's a really good point about 
you know, like I didn't think about it, but you're right. Like a lot of the criticisms Jesus got was sitting with sinners, yeah. you know, and you're like, and that was his ministry. Yeah, yeah. But there's this real practical piece that, you know, like, I'm going to be silly here, but a real practical piece of like, he had to, somebody had to build a table, right? you know? Right. So there's like labor that's yeah. done yeah. in order. That's not necessarily ministry, quote unquote, you know, not preaching. Right. That has to be done in order to facilitate yeah. Jesus sitting at that table and able to share these things. So there is a, like a practical, like building thing that's yeah. that's not, like we always think of mission and things like that of preaching, mm-hmm. right? But sometimes like the carpenter that built the table that Jesus sat at, yeah. <clears throat> was he any less important in that situation? Right. Like he, that foundational stuff that has to happen um well when you think so we were just we had a group this morning meeting with our church community uh and we're we're looking at proverbs 31 which like depending on your experience with that uh maybe as a a woman listening to this like maybe that's heaped on shame of like oh i'm not living up to that standard i don't think that's what it's talking about but i was 31 the the proverbs woman woman. yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) but here's the thing what it's everything it's praising about the quote unquote woman in that chapter is all tangible down to earth Mm -hmm. daily activities they would have had to do to not just survive, but also care for other people around them. Mm -hmm. Spinning wool, you know, (laughs) going out and gathering food, um, selling things at the marketplace. And these are, these are things it's like putting this person up as this is what to aspire to. And it's doing these very normal, mundane work yeah. activities, right? Yeah. And that's the person who's praised. And, and we're reading that and we're thinking about how that reminds us back in the garden, the very beginning of Genesis, mm-hmm. um, that when the man and the woman are made in the image of God to reflect the creator to the rest of creation, right? Like these living statues, so yeah. to speak, of God. Yeah. This like huge purpose he gave for them was to do the very real, tangible earthly work of tending a garden Hmm. you know it's it's these normal things and i think what happens is a lot of times we we dichotomize spiritual work and natural work and we separate those two out right and so if i'm going to be a faithful christian in the business of coffee i gotta make sure i'm putting a bible verse on every one of my cups and and saying jesus loves you every time i hand them a, a cup of coffee which is like for someone I don't know, that's not good news, right? right. They, I, I don't know them. I'm not speaking directly to the bad news they're experiencing in life right. and give them good news. Uh, it's just a it's just a statement that it's just a fact, right? Yeah, that they can debate. And it's like a it feels like they're checking a box. Yeah, you know, like like it's not genuine. Exactly. But if I'm creating through the work of my hands, right? Psalm yeah. 90 established the work of our hands, Lord. Uh, an environment of hospitality where peace can be felt and relationship can be made, then through relationship, I can get to know these people. And now my witness of Christ is going to mm-hmm. mean much more. Mm-hmm. And I could speak the good news of Jesus directly to actual circumstances that they're facing. Right. I think that's huge. Um, I love that. That was, that was fantastic. And I think you're right. So there's a dignity in work and, and mm-hmm. I, you know, like, so I still work a day job, and the biggest thing that I tell everybody is, like, street cred is so important, yeah, right? Yeah. And people's 
I used to have this phrase that I would preach to my team when I was a supervisor is that confidence comes from consistency. Ooh, I like that. And so when somebody's looking at you, and, and so this goes from your work product, right? So like if you are, a, you know, like we're using Bible examples, a tent maker, right? Yeah. And you're and you're showing up, you're doing good work all the time. They're going to have confidence in the product that you're producing and the work that you're doing. Yeah. But it also applies to your your living out your faith, mm. right? So like when you're consistently, when they're seeing you work diligently and consistently they're going to see that you're different yeah right like and uh, so my one of my favorite examples was that i was at uh work and i i have a pour over station at my desk and everything like that and i get back from like every workstation should have i act 100 percent, <laughs> and it was like my my ritual it was like my afternoon ritual to make coffee and then like hit it a second round yeah so I go through all my effort, do my pour, perfect pour over, sit down, knock my coffee over, oh. all over my pants. And it's just like, oh, oh, all I did was be like, oh, Brandon. And then I went and cleaned it up. And, and the guy looks over at me and be like, that's the reaction that you had? He's like, I would have been like, you know, like yeah. all the expletives. And I was like, I don't know, man. Like, that's not, that's not me, yeah. you know? And so like, just being consistent as you work. Yeah it's a living example and people notice that you're different yeah and they start to poke at you and they'll be like i'm gonna see how hard he'll when will he mm. break like what's he gonna do like because i don't i don't swear right yeah. and so they they would just do all these things to try to get me to do something i'm like look man it's not yeah. it's not gonna happen man my resolve is pretty pretty set here yeah. right and and then after a while like they would tease me and make fun of me but then that teasing oddly became like a form of respect yeah and then they would start to defend me, mm. which was weird. Like the people that razzed me the hardest would defend me when somebody else came up and be like, no, 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 this is our, we can tease yeah. him. Nobody else teases him though, right? It's like, like, yeah, like siblings, like yeah. I could beat up my brother, but you can't. But you can't. And it was, it was weird, but it was a street credit. It just yeah. came from consistency and they tested my consistency. And then when I proved it, like when I came out the other side of that test, there was respect there. Yeah. And that respect is what allows you to have personal connection yeah. share your experiences do these things and people will listen then because you've earned respect that's good the street credibility opens people's ears and without it they're they're not willing if they don't respect you they don't listen to you and yeah. my, that's my you know like people use the word love all these things like if, if they don't know you love them they're not gonna yeah. see things like that but like and just the job that i do and the things that i do it's like respect is always because again i'm a guy and i work with a lot of you know i work in an industry that's a lot of guys and so like they work on respect more than love. More than love, yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> um, but it's the same same principle. Yeah, absolutely. That, that you build that through consistency, and then they open up, and then you can share with them, and it means something. Yeah, that's so good. That's so, so good. I, yeah, I love that. Like, I've definitely experienced some of that where it's like, it's it starts with razzing, and then it turns into respect. And mm -hmm. it's like, you know, even getting married as young as I did, I was the first one out of so five boys in mm -hmm. my family growing up, and then one girl. And uh, for, like, 15 years, I was the only sibling who was married, right? And they would all kind of, like, tease me, you yeah. know, from time to time. And even some of my brothers would be like, oh, how do you, man, how do you do that just being with one woman? Right? Yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. Your life ended at 19. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, sometimes I would maybe have a, a – I remember my stepbrother one time I had a snarky remark back. Like, man, it's a lot easier than trying to deal with a five baby mamas. You know? <laughs> yeah. 
but uh but no you, really like it was just over the years of them seeing our relationship they started to grow an affection for that and a respect for it yeah and it turned into you know my younger brother telling me a couple times i, I wish i had what you and bethany had yeah. and then now it's turned into i got to officiate two of my brother's weddings and a third one coming up yeah. you know this year yeah. and so it's just like like they saw that the, what you're talking about the respect for our marriage is what led them to ask me hey will you come officiate my wedding now that i'm getting yeah. married because we respect your guys's marriage yeah man and that's that comes from consistent that comes from living it out on a consistent basis mm-hmm. you know and mm-hmm. like nothing's ever perfect but no but gosh dang it like they don't have an example to pull from yeah you know and yeah. that's what we found with fostering too like they didn't have any previous example to compare against yeah. the only they only had one example one model to look at yeah. and it was a broken model right and so it wasn't. It's not until they see a working one that then they can compare. Well, and when you brought up that story earlier too of what you were talking uh, with your parents about, right? Of like, mm-hmm. hey, maybe when they're thirty they'll come back. And uh, but you said something about like this is what they know, this is what they're familiar yeah. with. And I was thinking that's so true. Like, oftentimes, just as human beings, we're more comfortable with what's familiar, even if what's familiar is broken right. and dysfunctional, yep. right? And so we'll gravitate to it because it's familiar. There's a there's a comfort there for us because we know it, mm-hmm. and that's why you see these patterns of like people who will marry someone abusive because they had an abusive parent yeah. growing up. Yeah, like they're gravitating to what oh this is familiar. You remind me of dad or you remind me of mom, yep. right? And even though that's not good, right? But it's what it's what you know. Mm-hmm. And to me, that is such a great reason why. It sheds so much light on why we're to be not withdrawn from the world as yes. believers, right? Yeah. We're to be salt and light. We're to be a, a light on a hill. We're, we're to be in the world, mm-hmm. but not of it. It's so that we can be this, exactly what you're saying, this consistent presence yeah. in the midst of a broken world that people can start to become familiar right. with something better, right? right? They can start to be familiar now and drawn to and maybe learn how to be more comfortable right. In something that is actually healthy right. and not dysfunctional. Right. Yeah, man. I, I love. That's a that's a good connection to the because you always hear the. I mean, in the church world, you know, be the salt, the light yeah, of the yeah. world, and you're like, but what does that mean? What does that mean <laughs> exactly? And you know, it just, sometimes it means being the one stable thing around yeah. somebody who has nothing stable. Yeah. You know, and that yeah. the impact that that can have, and I think we short sell it more than more than we should. There's mm. a there's a tremendous dignity. And doing mundane things yeah. consistently well, or yeah. you know, like just do it. Or, or as we're talking about calling and mission, like I've struggled for a long time that you know, like I, if I'm not preaching, then I'm not on mission, or I'm mm. not serving, I'm not doing something because it's kind of trained in our brain, just like celebrity culture. You're right. not famous, or right. you're not doing a successful life if you're not famous, yeah. you know, type of a thing, and so. Same thing with the church. You can you can struggle with that. Be like, I'm not serving God unless I'm a pastor. Yeah. And that's not how it always works. Mm-hmm. You know, like like there's a calling for that, but all of us are called to a certain mission. Yeah. And what that looks like is different for everybody. Yeah. You know, and and sometimes it's going into an office and just doing your job really well really providing well, yeah. for your family or or kind of in your example being the one person that said you know what i'm not gonna do chaos anymore yeah i'm yeah. gonna do order and it's regardless yeah you know and that's 
that changes a lot of people. Like even if you weren't a pastor in preaching, the fact that you switched from chaos to order mm-hmm. and the impact that you had on your family, it's a, it's a multiplying impact. Yeah. Because you had an impact on multiple people who are going to have an impact. I'm, you know, like that's huge. That, that's, not yeah. a, that's not a small impact. Mm. And if you think about that for um, ever after, right, like that's – that's how our impact work. It's a small one degree change yeah. that over a lifetime has a huge impact on people and they impact other people. So I think as we're talking about mission, one of these things is that like, yeah, there's a mission in church. Yeah. There's also a mission in just the dignity of what you do and the choices yeah. that you make. Well, and I think that what you're saying is that I would say like the, how you do something is almost more important than the what you do, right? Mm-hmm. When we think about mission, because you're so right, I've, I've talked with so many people who are like, I just feel like I should be doing something for the Lord, and like, God. I'm doing customer service, but maybe I should be a missionary That overseas. has been in my head so yeah. many times. Absolutely, Dude, man, it's okay, real. Here's, it's here's, real. Here's the convers- this is a real conversation I had with a friend. I was like, so how does your job reflect what Jesus is like? And he's like, I, I don't know, man, like that. I'm doing customer service. And I'm like, dude, it's in, it's in the name. It's in the title of your role. Mm-hmm. Who is the ultimate servant, right? right? Like the servant king, the king who we should be in service to. And yet he stooped down and made himself a servant to us yeah. to the point of death. Like I, I know it sounds like I'm reaching here, but the reality is when you're serving other people in your job, you're getting to reflect a little bit of what Jesus is like. Yeah. And so, but, but the question is like, how are you doing it? With what intentionality, with what posture, um, with what understanding of your identity are you entering into that space? Because here's the thing, you can, the how you do your job as a, as a preacher mm-hmm. <laughs> could be so not missional, so not glorifying to True. God, right? It, it could be self-glorifying, mm-hmm. self-gratifying. Uh, it could be to, to amass a crowd and have people look at you and become the celebrity pastor, right? Like that's not the mission Jesus that's, is about. That's not it. Yeah. So it's not it's not the what you're doing, it's the how you're doing it. And yeah. you can enter into a job as a janitor, and everything you do, Colossians three seventeen, whatever you do, do unto the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. So you can enter into that role and say, what I'm doing here is I'm creating order out of chaos, mm-hmm. right? I'm I'm clearing away the clutter and the debris. I'm sanitizing spaces so that's safe for these people made in the image of God, these mm-hmm. image bearers to come and, and healthily enter into this space. Yeah. Uh, and I'm doing it. I'm doing the job. Nobody else wants to do like Jesus sat with the people. Nobody else wanted to sit with. Um, I, I don't need the recognition from other people to, to do it. To right. tell me good job or what you're right. doing is so important because I know my father in heaven sees me. Yeah. And you're entering this posture of service and humility that reflects Jesus. Yeah. And I would say, man, that's worship right there. Yeah, right? I agree. That's mission. That's glorifying God mm-hmm. uh, more than the celebrity pastor who's patting himself on the back for how many books he sold. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, that how, how, how we enter into these spaces. We could have started another business and not coffee, or we could have not started a business at all. Yeah, yeah. But how are we engaging with the people around us yeah. as we do it? And it, and from the person on the receiving side of that conversation, like it can feel like a like placating sometimes, mm-hmm. you know. And mm-hmm. so like then sure. you got you got to check inside. Then and then, this is a tangent because it's off top, but check and be like, okay, does that mean that if it if that doesn't satisfy? 
Like, do you have a calling to go somewhere else? Right, right. Like, and that's is, there, is there something pulling on you that says, I yeah. don't belong here. Yeah. I belong somewhere else. Or is it just something that, you know, we just don't value what we're doing now? Yeah. You know, there's all kinds of things that go into calling. And, yeah. you know, I'm a firm believer that, that God is always calling all the time. Yeah. You know, like, you don't miss it once. Like, he's... It, we the best comparison I had, which is unfortunately a negative comparison, but you know, like the the toddler at the mall who's like, "Mom, mom, 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 mom," you know, like the call is that consistent. And the moms learned to tune out. Yeah, the exactly, toddler. like us. we've learned to tune out. That's God. us. We're yeah. tuning out God's call, but God's call is so consistent and all the time, and it's pulling everywhere. Yeah. You know, and yeah. so it could just be a dissatisfaction with something in our lives, and it's bleeding into our work life, right. or it could be that legitimately God is just calling to something else you gotta you gotta figure that out that's you know? that's a great yeah because like i never want to like advise someone just stay at whatever job mm-hmm, you're at right because mm-hmm. that's not necessarily always where god wants that person but my advice usually is somewhere on the lines of like because i have a lot of these conversations yes. around yeah you know vocation and all that and my advice my encouragement is usually somewhere along the lines of if you are moving from that role Make sure you're doing it because God is calling you to something, mm-hmm. not because you're diminishing or demeaning that role you're leaving. You're running away from something right? else. Yeah, exactly. Run to God, not away from Yeah. Him. Yeah. Like, don't, don't leave your job in customer service because you think you cannot serve God in customer service. Right. What, I, what my goal would be is to, like, help you to see, oh, someone can faithfully be on mission here in customer service. Mm-hmm. But then it's okay to say... But that's not what God's calling me to. But that's not right? where I'm supposed so, to be. So leave not because the you can't be faithful yeah. in that position, but leave because God wants you to right. go be somewhere else. It's a both and, yeah. not an either or. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. So, I mean, so looking back through your, through your whole experience that you had, you know, like if you were going to give everybody like one life lesson, like from my experience, the one life lesson I would say to take away from, from me is what? What would you, yeah. what would you pass on? It's funny because, so... To peel back the curtain for the listener, you you know told me you were going to ask me this question before <laughs> we could record, <laughs> and I already had this thing in my head, but it ties in so perfectly now with what we were just talking about because I, I think what I would say is just ask how you can be faithfully present wherever God has you right now, mm-hmm. and I say that because uh, not because you know again God may be moving you into another season, maybe He wants to call you somewhere else, but. For whatever reason, right now, even if that right now just means literally today, yeah. Um, for whatever reason, right now, God has you in this space for this time, for His reason, for His purposes. Yeah. And so the prayer is, how can I partner with Your Spirit, God, to mm-hmm. be faithfully present here and now? Um, and for me, that again, it, it really comes back to like the how I'm entering that space more than the what I'm doing, right? Yep, yep. And so God, when we think about calling, right, we, oftentimes our question is like, what does God have for me? Yeah. And our focus is more on the call rather than the caller. Right. Right? When yeah. you think about just even getting a phone call right now, like mm-hmm. who initiated that? It wasn't you. Right. And it wasn't Verizon. Right, <laughs> you know? right. It, the person on the other end who picked up the phone and intentionally said, I'm going to call Brandon right now, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so that's what we have to remember is like our calling is about the caller it's right. it's god he has a 
purpose and a mission in this world. And he's saying, hey, I am graciously choosing to partner with you for a part of this right now. Yeah. That's amazing. It's a big deal. It's so, man, like, he, it's his mission. He's in control of all of it, and he will win in the end. Yeah. I, the, it's not on my shoulders now to be successful and to, like, perform and, and make some kind of outcome. I just get to be faithfully present in what he wants to do. Yeah. And so that's my, yeah, my encouragement is just prayerfully asking the spirit, what does being faithfully present in the here and now look like? You know, what's funny is that like, that seems to be, I've only done a few of these on mission and they're oddly similar. Huh. Like, like everybody's life lesson, very close in which it's like, when it, when you're talking about calling it, it it's about being faithful to God. Yeah. And there's an order of operations, right? Yeah. You have two commandments that trump everything, right? Love God. Yep. Love your neighbor. After that, then you get, there's freedom. Right. Right. right? But one, two, and then three. Yeah. And that, you have a commandment to be faithful to these one, two. And really, like you just said, right? Like, it's kind of not your responsibility. No, it is your responsibility, but like, you're not responsible for the results of number three. Right. You exactly. know, like your job is one and two. Yeah. And if you do one and two, then three will come. Yeah. You know, type yeah. of a thing. And um, obviously, you know, they poke a bunch of holes in what I just said, but it's, it's interesting how, like I, I did one recently and that was his thing is like, Hey, just be faithful to God. Yeah. And then what comes of that comes of it. Yeah. Because so good. the reason why we're here is, is you and God, yeah. not, not so that you can make coffee. Right. 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 Like coffee is a cool, coffee's great, great yeah. but, it's a gift from God. It, right? it is. He put, it, he put that seed in the ground. <laughs> Absolutely. And it was like, let's wait and see how they discover this. Exactly, you know? <laughs> right? Um, but even if there wasn't, guess what? One and two would still be there. Yeah. Yep. You know? That's right. um, so that's awesome. That's Christopher, I, man, I really appreciate the time. I appreciate the information and uh, the stories. It's it's good, man. I think that was it's helpful. It's helpful to me. I've, I I love these interviews because I, I gain a lot from hearing other people's stories and what they go through and again like i've been so selfish on these interviews where i'm like (laughs) learning for myself you know because it's i'm oddly you know we're always going through these things and so uh, as you say community is so important talking to people having meaningful conversations helps us and helps everybody it's amazing how much we we learn about ourselves we process Mm. just by having to put it out of our mouth yeah you have to take this experience form it into something and then you're like oh wow that that's a good lesson. Well, that's where, I mean, yeah, this is so helpful for me because it's like, one, it's reminding yourself of things, right? Because mm-hmm. you get stuck in the day-to-day and, and the, the Monday yeah. routine. Yeah. So it's reminding myself like, oh, yeah, this is where God has me. Uh, but it's also like exactly what you just said. When you have to formulate those things and say it out loud, it's like you're teaching yourself too, right? Yeah, absolutely <laughs> you are. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really grateful that you asked me to be a part of yeah. this. I love what you guys are doing. I, I love how much we have in common. I know, right? <laughs> right? It's fun. It's fun. I, I wanted to make this happen because I was like, there's not very many people out there who are doing coffee yeah. in Christianity at the same time like yeah. this. I was like, I need I need to make this connection. And not eventually. just in a way that's like <laughs> cheesy, like, hey, we're doing coffee because like it's a way for us to bait and switch you, right? right but like right. actually caring about both. Right. right? Yes. Caring about the, the plant God has created. And how we can cultivate it to, yes. sorry, I used my name. <laughs> no, no, that, that was a gr- fantastic play. <laughs> so if you're in Arizona, come to Cultivate Coffee. Support this shop. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, again, thank you for the cup of coffee, man. It is delicious. I highly recommend it. Uh, why don't you let everybody know where to reach out, where to find you, find Cultivate, 
find a church if they want to uh, hear a little bit more about what you're doing in both spots. Yeah, absolutely. So our church is Missio Day. We meet, uh, so there's three congregations. There's a Mesa, there's a Tempe. We meet Sundays at 9 a.m. in Phoenix at 35th Avenue in Sweetwater. Okay. Uh, you can go to missiophx.com to find out more about that. The coffee shop is Cultivate Coffee, and we are on 505 West Dunlap, right next to Sunny Slope High School, here in the heart of Sunny Slope. If you see a Black Rock drive through yeah, keep drive going. Yeah, yes. just pass right by them. Uh, we were here first, but we're <laughs> literally right next door. <laughs> so that's fun. Uh, we've got to love our neighbors, right? Yep, that's true. Uh, and so we do, actually. They've actually even brought some more traffic to us because people were like, I didn't know you were here. That's how it works. Yeah, it's oddly yeah. beneficial. It's great. But So, yeah, that, that's where we're at. And we, we function like a normal coffee shop. We're open Monday through Saturday from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, but also, if you want to contribute to how we are serving the youth, we're giving paid job experience to and coaching them through life mentoring and things like that um then there's info at our website there cultivatecoffee.org that's awesome chris thanks man appreciate you thank you with that everybody we'll say i do